for a month. Wow. It's been probably a month. Yeah. Since we've sat down, if not longer. I think, I think that's the problem. I think that I have a hard time sitting down and recording when I have Foss. I have a hard time doing anything when I have Foster puppies, to be honest, but. You will always have one now, so. No, we're going to take a big break after these. Um, because we're going to Chicago in December. Oh, that's right. We're going to go to Chicago. So, we're going to take a break up until, you know, we come home. And then I'm sure I'll have another foster or two come and join the group. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. I don't know. Foster, foster dogs instead of getting uh, Christmas puppies. It's a wonderful idea. Just, just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah. You got a good point there. Yeah. We're going to talk about a different thing today. I just wanted to give you a quick update on my my life, I guess. Sorry. It's okay. So sorry. We've been busy. Yeah. I know. But I'm going to talk about Crater Lake National Park today. That's right. I love national parks. So um, when I read some of the stories about this place, I was instantly like, I've got to to talk about this with you guys so i don't think i've covered a national park yet well maybe we'll we'll let you do that because alaska is our next state and it's rich with them just i haven't even looked into it i'm way behind alaska but you've been working on some other different stories so that'll be fun and then my god kaylee's been just being a big old boss man and i i just need to get you a businessman suit because you are just it's a Mr. Lot. Manager for sure is not even close to not even close. a title that comes to what you're doing. Your so. schedule is insane. Well, what's really hard, and I didn't think about this beforehand, I didn't realize that I'd be going from working with kids to working with adults. Ew. And I mean, yes, it's still in the same place with kids. But it's a totally different ball game. Like I miss my kids who didn't talk a whole lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, non-talking or non-verbal kids, like that's what I've started with. Mm-hmm. So those are the kids I'm most comfortable I know, working I with. Them, like, I think it's easier to what we call a pairing or like just building that relationship. Yeah. But now I have clients who can talk, and I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> but even more so is I'm working with the technicians. So I went from working with kids one-on-one to now I'm working with adults, and it's a lot harder. It's exhausting in a totally different way. I can't. I can't even imagine I can't. how how stressful that is. Even just, just yeah, the gist of your job just is insane. Um, Kaylee's a saint. If you were wondering, that's what she does for a living. She does saint work. But here we go. I'll dive right into the story unless you want to update us on anything else, ladies. I don't work for a church. (laughs) I just thought that might be worth saying. Kaylee, honestly, like, Ashley and I still don't really know what you do. We just know that you're some sort of teacher. Kinda. That's all I know. So I'm a board-certified assistant behavior analyst. Of course. That's right. Or a BCABA. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> Rick. 
and what oh, that means. Right. You know, no, it's like, like when we went to say Ignatius, you were like studying, and you said something about psychology, and I was just like, damn. That's oh, for my test, yeah, that's what I was studying for. The basics of what I do is the clinic I'm in. We work with kids with autism, and we teach people how to learn, but I'm not a teacher necessarily. But right now, um, I'm helping coming up with different interventions to help these kids get different skills. I'm learning a lot about insurance and billing. It's a lot. Yeah, th- there's a lot more to it. But ABA is applied behavior analysis. Um, it's a lot to explain. Like, I still don't know how to explain what I do in, like, 30 seconds. That's fine. You know, that's a good start. Because, you know, we were just talking about it. Like, we never know what you're doing. I analyze Uh, behavior. I still, I'm going to forever just decide that you do what Meg (laughs) described you and you're an emotional support animal. (laughs) It's so much more than that, though. Because I I didn't get my master's degree. And I don't want to pursue my PhD to become an emergency. Emotional, emotional support. support animal like my cat is. I, I, I mean, Lucy did go to college, I guess. But you can get, wait, she went to college. She did, and she is an emotional support animal. But don't degrade her. She's mine, though. <laughs> I know it. Was, it was just so funny. Just like, <laughs> oh, whatever. So that is what I do, everybody. Uh-huh. Yes, it's very. Very wonderful work, and we admire her greatly. So despite the beauty of the lake and surrounding park, there are several creepy Crater Lake tales floating around, involving everything from ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, and a giant lake monster, and everything in between to unsettling accounts of disappearances and even some murders. So... I feel like murders and disappearances and UFOs just generally go hand in hand with the national park. Just all in there. And it's a huge park, too, so they have to have all of it. I cannot wait for you guys to see uh, Kaylee's drawings on this episode. So, uh, it was established in 1902. Wikipedia says it's 1,000... Or 183,224 acres. It was established on April 19th. Ooh. In 1902. um, And that's when the National Bill Park was passed. The bill was assisted through by President Rosenvelt after a 17-year struggle. The lake is 1,949 feet deep at its deepest point, making it the deepest lake in the United States and the second deep, deepest in North America. Uh, fun fact, it's the ninth deepest in the world. Mm. So uh, it's a deep-ass lake. It is a... Yeah. Yep. It is located in Crater Lake National Park, which is the fifth largest national park. There are no other water sources flowing in or out of Crater Lake. All of the water comes from snow or comes from snow or rain. However, the precipitation rates are twice the evaporation rates in the area, and there are no drainage sites of the lake, yet the water level remains stable. So it's a huge mystery to scientists because the steady steepage is only responsible for a small amount of the water balance, but it's basically estimated to be off, um, like the evaporation rate is off by 2 million gallons of water. Huh. They don't know where it goes. It just disappears. It's weird. Uh, it is v- 
very interesting. Um, just like the way that it goes away, they can't figure it out. So, um, the park is on remnants, of course, of Mount Mazama, and it's, uh, quote unquote, not still active. It was a volcano? Yeah. Um, huh. that's how the lake was formed. Um, the violent eruptions created the lake, and many spooky events are tied to the area's volcanic activity. The Makalak tribe has a legend involving an epic battle that explains the creation. The Kalamath tribe believed that powerful monsters lived at the bottom and lured people to their death. So, I didn't want to go too far deep into that story because I just wanted to kind of, like... I, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to research it enough to make it respectful, so I just kind of took an excerpt that gives you pretty much the gist of the story. So, um, according to Andrea Lankford, the author of Haunted Hikes, Find Tingling Tales and Trails from North America's National Parks, Lalau ripped Skell's heart from his chest, and Skell retaliated by dismembering Lalau and throwing body parts into the lake. Hideous monsters gobbled up everything but Lulao's head. But the lake still holds Lulao's spirit. This is how I read it in my head, by the way, just so you guys know. Oh, how? It's the monsters from this epic battle okay. that the Calamity Trier believed in. Okay. When stirred, he may blow up storm clouds. When anger, he may appear in the form of a giant crayfish that climbs up out of the lake, snatches people off the rim... Of the crater that surrounds Lake and drags him down to the water. Giant crayfish. Wow. Man. Yeah, that's what he is now. Oh. So uh, it's Lalau's spirit. Maybe he's just gobbling up the water. I don't. I think that's probably it. That's where it goes. <laughs> that's probably where it goes. It's probably where it goes. <laughs> Makes sense. We are gonna talk about um, my favorite uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot guy. Uh, Sweet just cheeks. You guys know. Sweet cheeks, Bigfoot. Ah, he's back. Crater Lake has had reports of Bigfoot sightings since 1976. In the Smith chronological history of Crater Lake, several stories were relayed through the park rangers who were author or who authored the site. By the way, huge, huge, huge shout out to the Smith brothers for writing that insanely thorough history of the Crater Lake from the park ranger logs. Outside of the story, there are tons of websites with stories and YouTube videos and all that jazz related to the Bigfoot being in Crater Lake, and tons of paranormal investigators have gone to this area and camped out looking for the Squatch. Um, of course. <clears throat> but this chronal or this like history was the most thorough thing I've ever seen in my life. It was amazing to read. I was so happy to, like, just kind of go through the years, because it's in year, like, order, and it's by, it's every single year from, like, 1902, mm -hmm. and they are just amazing stories, and I just think that it's so amazing that they did that, um, that they published it, it was so, it's just so cool. Um, if you can, check out the Smith Brothers, uh, website, it is, uh, really awesome. So, George Morrison was the chief park naturalist, and he spotted a Bigfoot-looking creature crossing the south road at dusk. It was headed into Annie Creek Canyon. With four steps, the upright creature crossed the road. Because 
of the distance and the tree shadows, a description is difficult. Morrison could not locate any footprints. Um, George is an uh, experienced ornithologist and an experienced in nature observation. What's an ornithologist? Obviously, we're gonna wonder what the hell that is, Ashley. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head because when I researched this, I probably looked it up, and then I don't know. My brain doesn't hold on to information anymore; it just kind of slips right through. A person who studies or is an expert on birds. Ooh, oh, I like so. birds. I like birds, and he just like exper- He's like really um, experienced in nature. Basically, he's Got just a, a really awesome nature guy. And he was shaken by this sighting. He had no idea what he just saw. Uh, and he said it was on like June eighth or ninth of nineteen seventy six. And that sparked George's interest in discovering more about the creature he witnessed. So he started um, interviewing people around the park. And he, like, started asking that, asking, asking people who came in and out and, like, his different park rangers if they had any experiences and stuff. So this is a few um, experiences that he recorded, and I'm very excited to share them with you. Thank you. This um, version was written down. Uh, he, like, remembered it um, about, in about 2016. Um, he originally wrote it on April 11th, the same year that it happened. Uh, so when he's recapping, it might not have all the details, just, just so you know. Mm. Freda Hayes and her younger brother, Justin, were at a campground not far from Medford. And it may have been near Butte Falls, and his, may, his name might not have been Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so... Got it. <laughs> um, on a Friday night, <clears throat> oh no, Friday afternoon, they had gone to the campground to secure a site for the family, um, just because they were going to have a get-together later that day. I can't remember if Freda had just given birth or she was about to, but approximately 20 years old and recently married. Her brother, Justin, may have been 12 or 13 at the time. After finding a campsite and getting organized for the extended family evening, Freda and Justin decided to walk around the area. At one point, they had crossed a marshy wet meadow area, traversed by a boardwalk, and had decided to sit down for a few minutes just to observe the place. She was hugely pregnant, apparently. That sounds terrible. Uh The marshy meadow had a backdrop of Mount McLaughlin, and in the distance had a very lush foreground to the pine tree covered far edge of the meadow. As folks were talking, they heard a thud of a small rock crashing into the trees and falling to the ground nearby. Startled, they jumped up and began looking around for whoever had thrown a rock at them. A second rock whizzed through the trees and they hurried away from the spot to the boardwalk. From the boardwalk, they both saw a figure standing at the edge of a marshal- marshy meadow. Ugh, Marshall. <laughs> Marshy Meadow at the right of the tree line. The dark figure, human-like, was looking at them as they looked at it. As Freda and Justin watched, the figure appeared to crouch down in the vegetation and attempt to hide. Justin watched and the figure appeared... Oh, sorry. However, the cover wasn't thick enough to complete... 
the concealment and the folks could still see the head and shoulders of the figure through the willows and the other marsh plants. So basically he didn't crouch down good enough and they can still like see He's him completely. <laughs> He tried his best. He really tried his best. He's like, shit, they can see me. They know I'm throwing rocks at them. Damn it. God damn it. (laughs) Oh, man. Freda and Justin crouched down themselves to watch, and the figures stood upright for a better view of the people. After a few minutes of staring, the figure again crouched down, so the humans stood up straight, all the while eyeing each other. Judging from the small trees and other vegetation, Freda estimated that the figure may have been seven to eight feet tall as the willows came to about midsection. The stout figure sported an evenly dark-colored, hairy body but didn't have much of a neck, and the the head appeared to be right on his shoulders. Freda guessed the figure 30 to 40 yards away. So... This is ridiculous. No neck meat. There has been an interesting game developed in which Freda and Justin crouched, the figures stood upright, and vice versa. So basically, they were just like looking at each other and then crouching down. Like, they're playing peekaboo. They're playing peekaboo. Cute. This up and down. Up and down game went for several repetitions when the figure stood up and didn't move. The people moved on across the marsh using the boardwalk. When they reached the end of the boardwalk, the creature was just barely visible but still standing in their direction. When the menfolk, Freda's husband, and her father-in-law, and at least one more male arrived, they all heard the story and proceeded to walk down to the location on the boardwalk where the sighting occurred. What do you think that looked like? Like, all the guys getting together, like, come on, come on, guys, let's, let's go, let's go find this, this hairy beast. Or was Sounds it, like, right. just, like, a weird, like, oh, my God, let's go look for this. Probably the latter. Yeah. I usually, I don't know, people do be looking for Sasquatch. But... They do. I don't well, know. Yeah, anyways. With Freda staying on the boardwalk, the men worked their way around the wet meadow to the far side, and following Freda's signal for movement, an area of matted vegetation was soon located. Since there was no open muddy spots, no tracks were left, and scouting out further, it was possible to see roughly where the creature had may have gone. But no distinct traf- er, no distinct tracks could be found. Back at the camp, the party hustled and bustled through food preparation, making further discussion impossible. However, when the meal was complete, etc., serious talk again reviewed the whole event, and a second group walked to the matted vegetation area, and even more effort went into hunting tracks as the sun began to sink. Nothing was found. At some point, the local newspaper sent someone to interview Freda, and her story appeared in the Sunday issue. I think it was. That's where I got wind on the story from, or story on a tip from someone. I called Freda, explained why I wished to talk with her, and got an appointment on Wednesday. In her living room, I then took all the notes after having her repeat the story once straight through, and then step by step. Freda was gracious and patient with me until the baby awoke and needing its mother. 
I requested a quick snapshot of Freda on her porch and bid her goodbye. During the conversation, Freda speculated that the creature might have been asleep near where she and her brother stopped to rest, and they, their talking may have awakened the humanoid who retaliated by throwing rocks in their direction. While Freda never ca called what she saw either Bigfoot or Sasquatch, it was obvious to me that she felt she was indeed witnessing the local creature they all had talked about to some degree. Freda had never seen anything like it before, but by this time, she was very much at ease in telling the story. Never saw Freda again as I left that area in April 1977. I never met Freda's brother, Justin, as he lived in the, another part of the city. Following the interview with Freda, I followed some very precise directions she gave me and found the campground name Forgotten Now. Mm. Even the site number Freda mentioned. Nearby, I ran into the boardwalk into the wet, marshy area and soon determined about where the where across the meadow the creature may have stood. However, when I decided to move in that direction, it was obvious dozens of people had also made that trek, and by then, the wide path of matted vegetation had circled outside of the meadow, and I didn't attempt to go any further. So... That guy saw. That was a crazy encounter. weird... Yeah. Yeah. And then there was one more that happened in the summer of 1978, and it was, um... Rangers Marion Jackson and Vic a falter while on horseback patrol hear something large crashing through the forest at the old PCT entrance on the west road. A pine cone is tossed through the air and a very strong over odor emanating from whatever it was was overpowering. The horses became very nervous and skittish. Mm. Ooh. So what do you guys think about Bigfoot? I understand how ominous it is to smell somebody, but not see them. <laughs> you know? Why? Uh, the smell of Why love. do you understand that? Why is that something that you relate to? <laughs> I have this neighbor. <laughs> It's not a bad smell. She smells like cigarettes. Like, I always know when she's around because I can smell a cigarette. <laughs> and it's usually, like, kind of out of nowhere. And then I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, it's my neighbor over there. Okay. But she just kind of comes out of nowhere. But I can always smell her before I How see her. How awful is this? <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. But that's the only relation I have to that. No, just, you know, smelling somebody but not seeing them. I can understand why that's scary a little. Uh, what about you, Kaylee? <laughs> the smell of love. Ew. Yeah. Oh, no. Not that kind of love. Oh, no. Oh. It's, that's all, though. It's a bad one. That's a bad one. No, it has nothing to do uh, with, uh... Yeah. That's a, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. Yeah, you just smell, you smell somebody. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the smell of love. <laughs> yeah, don't, yep. don't hang out with stinky boys in high school. Just, just stay away from them. Just yep. Stay away from them, stinky just boys. stay away from them. Stay away from the stinky areas. So, <laughs> if they smell, they're not worth hanging out with. No. 
when it comes to boys. When it comes to boys. <laughs> Alright, well, I guess if you guys don't even want to talk about Bigfoot for the rest of the year, we can talk about Wizard Island. Let's talk about that. So. I'm just glad he's back. It's been a minute. Yes. Yes, it has. Aww. Mm-hmm. He looks cute. Super cute. So cute. So, the remains of the volcanic cinder cone is what Wizard Island is made of. Where is Wizard Island at? It's in the park. It's, it's in, in the, the cra- okay. It's in Crater Lake. Like, in the middle in of Crater the lake? lake, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so, it's an island that is roughly 750 feet above the lake. Why is it called Wizard Island? I'm telling you. I actually don't know if it actually explains that. I'll just get into what's going sure, on here. Just tell so, me what's happening on Wizzy Island. Uh, a boat tour is available to take you to the island, and you can hike up to the summit in the summer months. So that sounds really fun. That does sound fun. Um, in November of 1958, Congressman Charles Porter took a trip to Disneyland, and he rode the Disney Skyway about a million times. He came back desperate to build a ride to Wizard Island. He had proposed an island. He was so pumped about Disneyland. He just wanted to build a ride. He was like, we gotta fucking do it. This is the only space we can do it. Must be done. It must be done. So, uh, he proposed an idea to build a gondola ride from the rim between the peaks on the west side of the park to Wizard Island. Where he would have a restaurant and, like, other touristy places built at the end of the gondola ride. Mm. He hired an architect and mailed out a survey. However, the park was actually in Congressman Al Ullman's district. Mm-hmm. And he was having none of that shit. He's like, no, you're not going to set up a park in here. <laughs> yeah. It's already a park. He's like, wait a second, you're trying to do what? You know that's in my district, right? What a jerk. (laughs) He was like, uh, nah. (laughs) So he basically rubbed it in Porter's face that he was in charge and he thought it was dumb and put the kibosh on everything. Hmm. So, um, that lake in general, like I said, was ridiculously deep, or is ridiculously deep, and it's just really spooky. And there is a legend that... A lake monster stays in the area of the island. Like, it surrounds the island. Does it have a name? Um, well, yeah. Kind of does. I don't know. It's like, it. they don't have, like, a super good name for it because it. they don't, like, have a pinpoint on what it is. So, the monster has been described as dragon-like and resembles the stories that the Klamath tribe have. Mm-hmm. Um, about Lulao the serpent-like creature. Um, the Crater Lake Park Rangers have also reported l- lots of, like, different weirdness from the island as well. So, several of the rangers have seen smoke and fires coming from the island, and there's no camping allowed. So, they'll go to investigate it, and the ground is cold and has no signs of scorching. Um, it went so far... That Ranger Jan Kerwin saw a big fire below the rim with several people surrounding it. Like, she saw clear outlines, clear fires. She knew that's what she saw. And so she parked her car in order to hike in and confront the trespassers. 
And when she got there, there was no sign of fire and no sign around. She basically lost her shit and called for backup and, like, called all the rangers to the island. And the responding rangers told her that that was actually the previous site of the Park Service campground. And it was called Cold Spring. So, and... Oh, wait, hold on. Are they getting there by boat now? Yeah. Okay, like there's so the ride assigned... is canceled, but they're just, like, they got a boat? Yeah, there's somebody assigned to be on the island, too, during the summer. I think they might come off in the wintertime just because there's no, there's no hiking and stuff allowed sure. at night. And there's no camping allowed, so you can't be there after a certain time. Okay. So, uh, Overeater does stay on the island, um, I think probably they maybe like switch off weeks. That's what I imagine they do. That's lovely. Um, it sounds amazing. But the Kalamath tribe also came onto the island for hunting and picking berries as well. Mm. So it was also like that was a site that might have had just residual, just residual juju. Residual juju. That's nice. Um, I'm gonna get into the last creepy thing about that I want to talk about about Crater Lake and it's something that I'm going to really focus on in the next couple of weeks so I'm really excited about telling you guys about these experiences okay. so um UFOs 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 um government confirmed government confirmed they're reals so get ready uh-huh. um Crater Lake National Park gets dark like dark dark there's no I said it's like 180,000 acres, mm-hmm. so um, it's fucking huge, and there's no street lights in that right. whole area, so it gets dark. Yeah. So, uh, so dark that on clear nights, constellation satellites, and even the Milky Way can be seen. Mm-hmm. So if you ever want to go stargazing, I do. Crater Lake is the place. It's second only to Alaska for the amount of sightings that area is. According to Anomalian, in Anomalian, it's anomalian.com, there have been 1,100 reports of sightings over the lake, though who knows where they got their data. I don't know if it's just, like, people calling in or whatever. Yeah, who knows? So we're going to revisit old George Morrison. We're going to go back to his chronicles, and we're going to bring up some stories that he was told. Okay. This didn't happen directly to this didn't happen directly to him, but Glenn Happel. It seems that everyone who worked there experienced some sort of extreme paranormal experience. Like they had every one of them have a story. And this was actually a letter that was written to him. So oh. it's a uh, hi Larry. When my interest in Bigfoot and UFOs got nosed around, Glenn Happel, long fac- their lodge facility manager, left a message that he would like to talk to me when I had a minute someday. An opportunity came up several days later on a slow afternoon during the Labor Day chaos. We first talked on the second floor of the dining area where the neat view across the lake was enthralling everyone. After some small talk, Glenn mentioned that he had heard my interest in unusual events around the park. In a very casual manner, I just love that. Casual manner. Casual manner. 
He suggested that we walk down to the front of the building and sit on the bench nearby the door. It almost seemed like he was expecting another visitor, though he never said as much. He mentioned a bright fall afternoon several years earlier in the early 1970s, when he was about to close things up for the day. About the same time Glenn stepped outside, he noticed a bright, shiny object across Crater Lake from where he was, which appeared to be just above the tree line on the far side of the lake. Glenn pointed out where he was when he first no- or noticed the object. Um, and then it says, I could begin to point that spot now. <laughs> As he watched, the object was obviously moving towards him at the bout of this the speed of a single-engine airplane. Intently watching now, Glenn could tell that it was a round object, no wings visible, and no sound detected. And this is the 1970s, so planes were fucking loud. Yeah. Um, they still are loud, but they, they, were, loud. they were loud. Yeah. <clears throat> the flight path was straight and level. At no time did the object dip below the crater rim from where Glenn stood. Coming closer, Glenn can get... Ugh, sorry. Glenn could detect a slight dome or rise towards the top of the object. So it just kind of like he could see it. Mm-hmm. Domen. Domen, yep. Not just a flat disc. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he probably couldn't see him doing that. <laughs> he could just see the, the dome. The dome. The dome, dome, not doming. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) So, um, but the underside didn't have any protrusions that he remembered. So basically it was super smooth on the bottom. Um, The object's speed appeared to increase somewhat as it drew close to the rim. And from his perspective, the crowd, or sorry, the craft appeared to rise up slightly. As the object packs directly overhead, Glenn estimated it to be about 25 to 30 feet in diameter, and it cleared the building about 100 to 100 feet in silent flight. So it was above him about 100 feet. Just quiet. scary. I'd freak the fuck out. Yeah. Especially because this was the 1970s. Yeah. So there was all those, like, weird... um, Reports of abductions and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, Glenn hustled, or sorry, the un- Glenn hustled through the door to the backside of the kitchen to look out the windows, and the object was gone. He strained in every direction he could and never saw anything in the sky. Glenn didn't mention if he discussed his observation with anyone else. He simply completed up, closing his chores. Or he simply completed his closing up chores and didn't say anything to anyone. However, the story doesn't end here. About ten days or two weeks later, about closing up time again, Glenn was outside the main door when he became aware of movement in the sky overhead. Looking up, Glenn saw a round, shiny object which had crossed overhead in the reverse direction that he had witnessed earlier. This time, the craft did appear to dip below the crater rim for part of the trip across the lake. In addition, the speed was faster and the object, or as the object rose up to the clear far rim and disappeared above the tree level until it was out of sight all in less than a minute. Once again, there was no sound and the object passed over the rim building 
about 150 feet. The diameter of the object seemed to be about the same as the first sighting. I may not have the first part right, but it seems to me that someone else also saw this particular craft as it flew across the lake. I think Gwen may have mentioned having a corroboration of this event. Naturally, if Gwen Happel is still with us, he can verify or deny if he ever wishes to. So, that's kind of like a call out. <clears throat> just just if, you're, if you're wondering. <laughs> also, uh, just a little, a little uh, second event that happened on Tuesday, February 4th, 1977, or 1997 at 6.15 p.m. A private pilot flying south of Diamond Lake Junction, Oregon, east of Crater Lake National Park, saw three discs speeding across the dark sky, pursued by several jet interceptors, mm. and sonic booms were reported that same evening setting off car alarms all over the area. Damn. So, that's what I got for you. That's, uh, super spooky. Spoofos are pretty scary. Yeah. Bigfoot, UFOs, and not a wizard. And not, not a wizard. wizard. I really wanted it to be Bigfoot and a wizard hat. That's what I really wanted um, Wizard Island to be. Aww. Maybe that's what it's named after. Maybe they think, you know, Bigfoot might be part wizard. Yeah. Wait, so why is it called Wizard Island? I have no idea. I was just lying to you that I knew. Oh. Because I can't leave everything, you know, tied up in a tidy bow. I've got to leave something to... To mystery. To mystery. All right, fine. You know you know how I'd be. I can't I guess solve I'll it. it later. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I can just Google it. You can just Google it. I'll just gig that. Because I want to leave it to mystery. All right, fair. You know, it's like those murders that I look into that are all unsolved or unconfirmed that even happened. Yeah, what about the murders in this park? Oh, there's several. Oh. It gets dark. Oh. But we're not going to talk about them. Fine. Because uh, they're, they're crazy stories, and that's just too much, you know? I just want to talk about all my sweet, sweet paranormal activity. Mm. Because yeah. that's what that's what I want in life. Got it. UFOs, Bigfoot, hauntings, hauntings. Does that sound like a goose? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tired. Where did that come from? <laughs> Probably the same place the milkshake came from. Yeah. Oh yeah. If yeah. you know how to have a hot. Milkshake. Let us know. That's ice cream soup. No, that's the thing. Okay, so... I'm not going to let it go. She's not going to let it go. I told her one day that I really wanted a hot milkshake. Because it does sound great. A hot, not melted version of it. Like, if there was a such thing. And there's not a such thing, and I'm aware of this. I have a thought. Yeah. And I mean, I guess this would depend on how um, literal you're taking your milkshake to a certain degree. Okay. But wouldn't a spin on that be like a latte made with heavy cream? Because that's what ice cream has in it. I mean, yeah. But, but... use like strawberry syrup or something and make, because you can get like a vanilla steamer. Yeah. That would be the closest thing I could, th- 
And then you could just add, like, some that water thickener to make the viscosity get a little bit more milkshakey. I told her to just blend up a bunch of oatmeal with hot <laughs> liquid that's like vanilla flavored, and that but that's chunky. Well, <laughs> so milkshakes gross. are sometimes chunky, like they got a thick texture. I don't texture. know. There's there's something. Okay, I was just really cold, and I really wanted a milkshake. And you know, sometimes the best of both worlds does not exist, and I want it, and I know it doesn't exist, and it's okay. You know, I'll think of something. They make dehydrated ice cream sandwiches. I'm sure there is some method to be. make a... I don't know if you can get the same as a warm milkshake, but something close-ish <laughs> or equivalent. Oh, your face. When you even say the words, a warm milkshake. <laughs> You're just like, it's insanity. No, it's not insanity. It is. So that's what I've been up to lately, guys. <laughs> what if you put your milkshake in a cup that, like, you had that was already hot? Yeah, like, why don't you just get a milkshake and then heat it up? No, I just had a regular milkshake. But you can put it in the warm cup so your hands can hold I, the warm cup with the cold milkshake. Well, I don't want it to melt. That's the thing. I don't want a gross soup. <laughs> I'm in a parallel dimension right now. I want it to be really thick and nice. I can make you a strawberry flavored thick, nice liquid. Um, (laughs) It's just got, it's not going to have any ice cream in it. I bet you can. I'll find a way. On that note, we really appreciate you sticking with us. We should probably just go. This is not Yeah, we should probably just go. If you want to stop. Um, Right. I'll update you guys eventually on this uh, hot milkshake. I'm... To be continued. I just think that it's, it's something there. There's something there in my brain that I just can't get over, so. Me neither. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Yours is a different, you can't get over it. I can't get over it because it's absurd, but that's not important. That's not what this, that's not what this podcast is about. Bye. Anyways. Bye. Bye.